In a single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Marianne's guests are leaders in their field, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, business and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in their own work. They teach others to develop, refocus, and grow. Marianne will bring the best guest and sometimes a special surprise. Don't miss this. And remember, make every moment count. Welcome to Moments with Marianne. Today we have a very special guest with us. I'm delighted to introduce Marianne Williamson. She is the author of many bestsellers and now her new New York Times bestseller, Tears to Triumph, The Spiritual Journey from Suffering to Enlightenment. So welcome to the show, Marianne. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Marianne. It's so easy to see why your book is a New York Times bestseller. It raises a few thought-provoking questions around the subject of suffering. Can you explain for our listeners how pain is a good thing? Well, I think that there is a spectrum of normal human suffering. Uh, we all go through it. There is There are times in life when you have relationships that don't work, a, a divorce, a, a professional failure, financial hardship, people we love die. These things happen in life, but they're not mental illnesses. They are part of living. And what has happened over the last few decades is that we have begun to medicalize normal human despair. But this, these, these things that I'm talking about, these situational pains, these are are what is spiritually called the dark nights of the soul. They are spiritual crises. And if you don't develop the skill with which to uh, to navigate the turbulent times in life, you don't know how to navigate life itself. And it, it, to, to short-circuit these experiences, to try to numb ourselves, to distract ourselves from the pain of what is often the normal pain of living through experiences that happen to all of us, we we stunt our emotional growth, and we infantilize ourselves. And I think that right now on the planet, as much as ever, we need to be very seriously mature people. We need to be very reflective. And this is a time to understand more deeply what it means to go through our own personal crises, I think in large part so that we can show up collectively together to handle the crises that are facing us on the planet. This brings me to my next question. Are we in an epidemic of depression? Well, you know, they say that we have an epidemic of depression. I think the, for me, the most alarming depression is the over-medication of Americans, and particularly the way over-subscription of antidepressants. Um, once again, if, if, if you're talking about something like a serious, serious mental illness, schizophrenia, bipolar disease, and so forth, then the conversation around psychotherapeutic drugs is obviously legitimate. But what is now happening is that people are being given antidepressants for the kinds of things I mentioned before. Going through your 20s, for instance, it's difficult, but it's not a mental illness. Going through a painful disease is difficult, but it's not a mental illness. These days we're told that there is deep sadness, and then there's a line past which there is a, a disease called depression. But you know, there is no medical, there is no medical substantiation for this. There's no blood test for depression. There's a blood test for leukemia. There's a blood test for diabetes. There's a blood test for infections and so forth. But 
the diagnosis of depression is based on a questionnaire. And when you look at those questionnaires, um, who among us has not at some point or another been there? Now, some people say, oh, this is, you know, irresponsible because we have to be careful, you know, when people are moving in a suicidal direction. But I have two things to say to that. Number one, the FDA has issued a black box warning um, that for people 25 years old and younger, antidepressants actually increase, not decrease, suicidal ideation. And number two, even though in the last few years we've had a rise in suicides, we've also had a rise in antidepressant use. So there's actually no substantiation for the notion that, that antidepressants have kept people from, uh, from killing themselves. So I, th- I think that, th- that reclaiming the conversation of deep sadness and even depression within a context of our larger spiritual understanding, an existential inquiry into the meaning of life, gives us not only a far deeper understanding of where our depression comes from, but even more importantly, t- transformational tools and guidance for how to transform that depression and how to transcend it. Definitely. I mean, I can think back a couple of years ago when I lost someone very close to me, went to the doctor, and the first thing they wanted to do is put me on some pretty heavy medication, and I threw those scripts away. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. You're a grown woman. What if you've been 17 years old? You wouldn't have known. You yeah. wouldn't have known to throw it back at the at the doctor or throw it away. Um, the, 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 the situation that you just described is happening over and over and over and over to people all over this country every day. This is, this is the crisis. This is the crisis. Because what you had to experience is called grief. You know, when I was growing up, it was understood. Society gave far much more permission, much more of an under, there was much more of a mainstream understanding that if you lost someone very, very close to you, when I was growing up, a year was considered normal. But we now have taken this dictate of a business model and imposed it. You know, people are like, your mother died three weeks ago, aren't you over it yet? And grief is, 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 is like a bruise in the body. You know, if you've been beaten up, you're in a car accident, your body is bruised, it's understood. You're going to be sore for a while, and it will take however long it takes. But with tears, even though on every other level we exalt the genius of the body, we've come up with this artificial point at which we say, this many tears is normal. If it goes over that many tears, then they, quote-unquote, need treatment. And so heartbreak just started uh, uh, in our age. It's so arrogant. The truth of the matter is humanity would not have survived over the last many, many thousands of years were we not imbued with the capacity to take a hit. In, in our physical body, this is called the immune system, the physical immune system. But the psyche has an immune system as well. And both physically and psychically, we are able to absorb quite a bit of assault and injury and if we were not able to, we not only would not be able to survive physically, but we wouldn't be able to survive psychologically and emotionally. That's what grief is. Grief is, is not a sign that you're in trouble. Grief is a sign that you're healing. You need to go through this dark night of the soul. And the reason I wanted to write the book is because I'm a student of, of spiritual, spiritual principle. All the great religious and spiritual systems in the world speak to the issue of human suffering. Buddha said life is suffering. 
God sent Moses to deliver the Israelites while they were suffering as slaves in Egypt. Jesus suffered on the cross. So that's what religion is. Religion and spirituality are an acknowledgement of, of the suffering of living outside the light of God's love and how through the infinite compassion, infinite love, faith, forgiveness, atonement that are the essence of the spiritual life, we transcend that suffering. And ultimately, you know, we become better people. We become wiser. I know when I look at the times in my life that have been very, very, very hard, and I've had two periods in my life that were absolutely, you know, the, the big stuff, um, I learned a lot. I learned from those experiences. The one when I was younger, um, I learned not to treat life like a joke because it's not. I learned that uh, I'm responsible for my own behavior. I learned that other people's feelings are as important as mine. Uh, I, I became much more humble, more grateful. I mean, sometimes it's our tears that teach us these things, and we shouldn't jump to the conclusion that because I'm sad, there's something wrong. No, it it really is, and I'm so glad that you wrote this book and that you're bringing this information forth because it is so important. When you mentioned those stats were under 25, I was shocked to hear yeah. that. I mean, it, it just it's appalling to think that that's um, the norm to, you know, you come in, you cry, let's medicate you. And it's not to say that not everyone needs to be on medication for people who are dealing, like you said, with mental illness. But if you're dealing with stresses of life, those are those are our lessons. <laughs> well, and the, particularly when you talk about young people, the 20s are hard. They were hard for me. They're hard for everybody I know. You know, you, it's the decade where you first begin to have these grown-up challenges, but you don't have the accumulated layers of experience that you have later in life to teach you certain things, and that's how you learn them. But they're hard, but they're not a mental illness. And when you see all these young people who are on antidepressants today, this is the epidemic we need to be concerned about. Now, in your book also, you talked about forgiveness playing a role in overcoming our pain. Well, we can only be, ultimately we learn, certainly according to all the spiritual principles, and I think we learn from life. The only way to be happy is to be a giver and a receiver of love. These are the, these are the sources of our happiness. And when we, you know, when we withhold love, we can't be happy. And that's what unforgiveness is. When we see ourselves as victims, we can't be happy. When you're bitter and you're cramped and negative and attacking and angry and defensive, you can't be happy. So happiness is not just the absence of depression. Depression is the absence of happiness. The only way we can address our happiness is to look deep within ourselves, to look deep within ourselves, to atone for our own mistakes, and to have mercy towards others who might be, might be, you know, transgressing against us or just being who they are and it's not what our egos want them to be. But these are all the deep lessons of life. They're painful lessons often, but... If we don't transcend, if we don't transform them, then the same situations are going to keep coming back around. If we don't learn lessons, then we will behave the same way we behaved last time. Or what are you going to do, just numb yourself for the rest of your life? And that's what a lot of these kids are doing. You know, that's what a lot of people are doing now. They just plan to be on these drugs for the rest of their lives. We have no idea. Someone was saying to me the other day we, she, that she said to her doctor, do we know what long-term effects there are of taking these antidepressants? Now, this is a woman who would like to have children one day, but has, is not in a situation to have them yet. And when she said to her doctor, do we know the long-term effects 
of antidepressants. The doctor said, no, but then we don't know the long-term effects of Diet Coke either. I mean, it's oh, unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> and there I are all these articles being... that. Yeah, a doctor <laughs> said that to her. A medical doctor said that to her. Oh, my goodness. That just absolutely makes no sense because, I mean, yeah. And, cause really now, having people... said that, for anyone who might be listening, it's very important if you are on antidepressants, not to just throw them away. I mean, you have to get off an antidepressant under the supervision of a medical doctor. Um, the worst thing somebody could do who has been on them uh, is to just throw them in the trash. Um, mm. To decide not to take them, absolutely, but people have to be very careful the way we, they get off them. I would agree with you 100% on that. Now, Marianne, how can we create more miracles in our life? Well, miracles are natural. Miracles, when they, the Course in Miracles says when they do not occur, something has gone wrong. It is the natural tendency of the Spirit to love, to give love and to receive love. But we are living in a world that is dominated by a thought system characterized not by love, but like by lovelessness or fear. And so we are constantly bombarded every day by impulses that would repudiate our love. And this means that we think in ways that deflect miracles. And just as the universe programs the acorn to become the oak tree, nature programs the embryo to become a baby, nature programs the bud to become a blossom, nature programs each and every one of us to rise to the highest level of our own creative manifestation and possibility. Life is supposed to work. It can work. And when we see situations where things are working right, people are loving their children, people are loving each other, we've all had tastes of this. But we've created a world which really mitigates against our living the natural happiness and love that is the truth of our being. And it is only when we see that that we begin to make the changes within ourselves and make the changes in our society that will allow love and therefore miracles to to occur. Miracles occur naturally in the presence of love. They just do. Relationships work where there's love. And relationships fall apart and the world falls apart where there isn't love. And that's what the miracle is. Miracle is a decision to love and to avoid the temptation to move into the loveless thoughts that block our, block our greater good. I know that you've touched on this in your talks before, and you're, you're right. The more love that we can show other people, and of course, um, working on ourselves first is where we want to start, but the more love that we can show, things will start to shift and change. I think that uh, exponentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you wake up every morning and you send your love out to all the people that you know and all the people that you know you're going to see today, all the people that you don't know you're going to see today, it's amazing the kind of changes that begin to occur. And there are just so many ways that all of us have been hurt, we've been wounded, we've been triggered. And when we actually look in our own lives, how could I show up more lovingly in this situation or that situation, things begin to heal. And people say, is it that simple? It is that simple. That doesn't mean it's always easy. But most of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, can see all kinds of places where what we put out to other people is not as loving, as positive, as giving, as charitable, as, as, as forgiving as we could. And every time we lean into that, 
we create more and more of a space for miraculous breakthroughs to happen in our lives. And that's the only real source of happiness. We're taught in this world that to be happy you have to get this or get that. But I talk in the book about the light of Buddha and the light of Moses and the light of Jesus as these spiritual templates which transform our suffering. And Buddha, one of Buddha's four noble truths is that things of this world can only bring us temporary happiness at best. So we're, we, we cultivate despair. That's why the whole chapter in my book is called The Culture of Depression. It's a culture of depression because basically the cultural message that we all buy into is that I will be happy if I get this or get that or make this happen or can buy that. So half the time we're struggling and we're grasping to try to get those things. And the other half of the time we are experiencing the despair that comes once we got those things. And after about 10 minutes we began to realize that they didn't bring us the happiness that we were hoping that they would. So when you really start a serious spiritual path, it's, it's more than an inquiry. It is a real willingness to radically change the mental filter through which you view everything, yourself, your relationship to the universe, relationship to a higher power, and the relationship to other people. That's absolutely beautiful because that's really the way it should be. And, and I really liked how you brought in um, the light of Jesus, Moses, and Buddha and having studied um, a little bit about each of them, I mean, and especially with Buddha, it's a little easier to follow that path of enlightenment because he does, you know, uh, really talk about how our attachment to things does call the, uh, cause suffering. And we're attached to things because we are not remembering our own intrinsic value. If, if, if I realize that I'm a child of God, then I realize I'm no more or less valuable than any other human being. I was created in God's mind and heart. That is who I am. Um, that is my spirit. On the level of the body, I've made mistakes. I get it right sometimes. I get it wrong sometimes. But enlightenment is a shift from body identification to spirit identification. And if I identify myself as a spirit then I, I know that I'm valuable just for who I am. But if I identify myself as a body, then I'm taught I'm only valuable if I achieve this or that or have this or that, my car, my house, my money. And, and you're, it, it, it's a total setup for despair because sometimes you're going to have those things and sometimes you're not. So if my entire sense of self-esteem and self-worth is based on the things of this world, what other people think of me and so forth, then my emotional stability is, is, is an impossibility. And that's why a spiritual life is one in which you, you, you extend your perception beyond what the physical world sees to, to a, to a otherworldly reality that is just the, the common sense. That's the thing. An otherworldly reality is common sense. It's just that all we really want is to love and be loved. That's all any of us really want. That is so true. The root of everything boils down to love. Now, Marianne, I know you've talked about, um, and we've discussed this a little bit, about light workers and how some of them have this belief that they have to detach themselves from what's going on in the world. Well, how can you begin to explain to me what the purpose is of being a light worker? I mean, if you, mm-hmm. isn't the point of being a light worker to cast out the darkness? 
I mean, isn't, I mean, we, we use these trendy terms like light worker. Well, how much light are you working if you're not even anywhere near the darkness? The whole point of light is to cast out darkness. And you can't cast out darkness by denying the darkness. But the light worker does not deny the darkness. The light worker transforms the darkness. Mm-hmm. And you can't transform it by not engaging it. If I go to the doctor and I have a broken leg, the doctor doesn't ask to see my finger. So this business of light worker, how much light are you are you shedding if if it's just this you know because if you are really moving forward in light the the darkness of the world the universe will be showing you its wounds that's what the darkness is. So to be a light worker, to be a healer, to be a miracle worker, it's not enough to just call yourself a light worker. If because if you really set yourself up and that's your intention, the world is going to show you its wounds. To disengage, to dissociate, to deny, there's nothing spiritual about that. There's nothing spiritual about putting yourself in this little bubble and wrapping yourself in pink paint and calling yourself a light worker. People are dying all over this world unnecessarily today. There is so much unnecessary suffering. There is so much major crisis. And the spiritual among us, the quote-unquote light workers, should be the biggest adults we should be the most serious adults. And the serious adults is like those of us who are parents. You don't like not engage with the notion of whether or not your children are healthy. You don't not engage with the notion of whether or not your home is safe for your kids, whether or not your children are educated. That's what adults do. But this light worker talk that doesn't engage at all with the world, it, this, this is a complacency that has nothing spiritual about it. So... You know, if, if people want to go that direction, they, definitely. But this idea of calling it spiritual has just gotten to a ridiculous point. I could not agree with you more, Marianne. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us here today. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. If, if you or any of your listeners are interested, um, uh, you can go to Marianne.com and learn more about this book, Tears to Triumph, obviously. But also I do free live streams every Wednesday night that the link is available for three days. So if that's of value to you or to anyone uh, in your audience, that would be just great. To learn more about Marianne or be part of her community, you can visit her website at marianne.com. Once you purchase her book, make sure to go back to her website and sign up for the free giveaways that she has available there and be part of her community. Marianne, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. Thank you. All my best. For all our listeners, I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. We'll be right back after these messages. Internationally recognized and award-winning author Judy Goodman works and teaches outside the box of limited thinking. Working with people from every walk of life, her goal is to empower you to be the best you can be, no matter what the challenge is. Born with the gift of seeing beyond our normal vision, she has an extraordinary gift of working with every challenge. Teaching beyond conventional wisdom, her work is described as life-changing. Visit JudyGoodman.com. That's JudyGoodman.com.
Welcome to Moments with Marianne. Today I'm here with a very special guest. I'm so glad to be introducing to you my dear friend, internationally recognized and award-winning author, Judy Goodman, who possibly may be one of the most gifted teachers and motivational speakers today. So welcome to the show, Judy. Hi, Marianne. It's good to be with you again. It's been a little while since we've done our last show. And, you know, I was thinking that since uh, we began this some while back, I think congratulations are probably in order. Haven't you moved up in your ratings from up to second place in your ratings now, or are you already at first place? <laughs> well, I believe I'm at second place, but there's some people that have been doing this a little bit longer than me. So, <laughs> but thank I you, Judy. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Good to be with you again. Thank you. So great to have you here and uh, spend this time with you. And I'm um, really your conversation in regards to why do we hurt is something that I think we really need to hear today. Well, I, I agree. There's so much going on in the world. Every time we turn on a television, uh, every news report we hear, we're talking about pain at one level or another. And my big push right now is to talk about why do we hurt. You know, there are so many reasons why we hurt. Pain uh, is no respecter of anything. It crosses all barriers. And we all feel pain at one level or another, and once we can begin to identify what the pains are that we're feeling, then the next step might be to understand it so that we can, in fact, deal with it, eliminate it, or progress and move on. And, you know, a side effect, a side effect here, Marianne, is that uh, without pain, Many of us do not understand joy. We don't know uh, how to be happy, how to feel good. So, you know, there, there, it's a complex situation to say the very least, but we'll talk about, we'll name a few of the different kinds of pain, but bottom line is pain is pain. No matter why you hurt, you know, it's something that you're going to want to deal with. And you can grow, you can learn, you can grow. And if your pain goes on too long, then I feel like perhaps we need to look at it and say, okay, how long am I willing to endure this? How long am I willing to, to, to put up with this? Because pain, believe it or not, is an opportunity to learn and to grow. Now, if that's true, and I believe that it is, well, then when is enough enough? And how long are you willing to hurt before you start processing what it is? So, Let's just name a few of these, and, and let me also say, Marianne, that I'm working on a handbook that is going to be for sale on the website that is it's actually going to be a workbook that is going to go through uh, all, all of these things in more detail, but not in complete detail, because the best way to understand the situation is to sit down and go through a conference or a lecture with it where we've got several hours of discussion. But there will be something available soon for those that are interested in looking at that. But some of the pains, which crosses all barriers, physical pain, we all know that, anything from a headache to, you know, oh, my toe hurts, you know. Emotional pain, uh, something has happened to you as you've been growing up. Mama did this, Daddy did that, or 
My partner did that. Spiritual pain. Hurting because we do not understand uh, the Creator. We don't feel like we have that connection. How about financial pain? I bet we all can resonate mm-hmm. with that at some point at, at some place in time, right? Oh, yeah. And then there's karmic. Uh, of course, I am speaking from the premise of believing that we have lived before and we will live again. And karmic pain would be uh, a task that you had set aside for your soul and you did not finish it, so you've brought it forward into this lifetime in order to complete it. Or maybe it wasn't a bad thing that you did in another lifetime. Maybe the karmic is incompleted. So, and here, oh, here's a new one. This is something that we can, we can resonate with today. How about generational pain? I bet you've never heard that. I have never Generational pain. Think about people that reincarnate and come back in a ethnicity or a race in order to purge the situation of uh, bias, of prejudice, of pain and suffering. What about when the Japanese culture was interred after the bombing at Pearl Harbor? Mm-hmm. What about some of the issues that we are hearing about almost daily today? But we we have generational pain where people will decide that this is the lifetime where they are going to live a certain way, endure a certain type of pain and judgment in order to be part of the process that will turn this around. So that that's a very interesting one that's evolving uh, at large, almost global levels right now. Pain of abuse. You know, somebody hurt you when you were young, growing up. How about the pain of addiction? You know, when something in your life has control over you, that's an addiction, no matter what it is. And how about the pain of just simply loss? You know, maybe the worst thing that you are thinking about in your life today is that your mother died, your father died, or your child died. Oh, it could even be a pet because we get very attached to our pets. But the pain of loss, just of losing at a monumental, soulful level, how about judgment? People judge us one way or another. We don't look like everyone. Maybe we've got a deformity of some sort. People judge because of race, color, creed. Racism is part of it. How about PTSD. We've had a lot of uh, our troops that have come back from protecting us, and, and and they're not even the same people. They don't even know how to function anymore. So the pain, the backlash of having been there to serve, to protect all of us, to give us the opportunity to understand freedom and so forth, and of course, we certainly thank them for their service. But how about the pain of just simply remembering Remembering something, maybe it didn't happen in this lifetime. Maybe it is a a major catastrophe that happened in another lifetime. And you've brought that knowledge forward so that you can remember. Because we often will remind each other, don't forget. Don't forget. Remember this so that you can change it. Then there's global. There's unresolved issues, things that we don't get done, which is kind of like the karmic. 
Or how about, here's a good one, gender, gender pain. Now, we're hearing a lot about gender pain these days. And so what comes to our mind? That would be the LGBT community. People changing their sexual identity and Mm -hmm. moving on. And it's a big thing. It's a big thing nowadays. So, yeah, we... uh, we experience pain at every level. We hurt at every level. And, oh, what about that smart person that said, hey, no pain, no gain? That's so mm-hmm. silly. But in truth, it's pretty true in a lot of ways. You know, we learn a lot about our strength. We learn how strong we are from pain. And, and you know, we have physical conditions, Marianne. We have cancers. We have a... A lot of things that plague the human body today that give us pain. So there are a lot of reasons for why we hurt. Well, in order to begin the process of turning that around, it would help if you could first identify, okay, I hurt. I have pain. What is it about? Try to find the bottom line. Try to identify the pain because If it's not a cancer or if it's not a physical condition, if it's emotional or in our thoughts and memories, there's a very good chance that we can begin turning this around almost immediately, almost immediately. So get to the bottom line. Try to identify where it comes from. And then, you know, we must begin the process of forgiving if that's part of it or we have to communicate if that's part of it, where we have the um, some of the issues that require that we simply just start talking about it, we have to do that too. So the main thing, I believe, is to identify the pain if you can and then try to identify the source and go back and find your own accountability with it. Maybe we weren't the nicest person at some point in our own life, so Perhaps we have got some accountability for our own level of pain. So Mm. it's a a big issue. It's a complex issue, isn't it? That's very thought-provoking. I believe that um, it really will have people looking at why we have the pains that we have more in depth and really delve into it. And I have to say that another thing that comes to mind is that if we are, shall we say, if we are inexperienced in pain, if we aren't used to this, if we haven't learned how to process through that, you know what, Marianne, I think a lot of us will believe that the answer to that is to take a pill, take medication. Yep. We almost have epidemic of that going on in our society today is that appeal is the answer to everything, right? That's really how it's seeming right now. Not not always the answer, though. So, you know, interestingly enough is that our soul, our our spirit is able to process pain. We're able to do this. We're going to pause here for a quick break. We've been talking with Judy Goodman at judygoodman.com. We'll be right back after these messages.
Have you ever had the sense that your thoughts might actually be doing something? Ancient secrets of manifesting have been masterfully revealed in the award-winning book Manifesting 123 by Ken Elliott. For the first time, the author's experiences and stories in this book describe exactly how your thoughts can create anything. You've been doing this all your life, but it's never been fully explained for you until now. Visit Manifesting123.com for more information today. Manifesting123.com Ben Wexler is a gifted leadership development and strategy consultant for professionals who want to transform their organizations and careers. Through a uniquely personalized set of processes, participants discover their unique knowledge, how to leverage that knowledge and experience, and then put it all together with a global strategy. You're more valuable, your organization is more valuable, and the change is viral. Contact Ben at 630-881-1074. Welcome back to Moments with Marianne. We are here with my very special guest and very dear friend, Judy Goodman, talking about why do we hurt. So welcome back to the show, Judy. Gosh, Marianne, what a, what a deep and complex subject. You know, we, we are covering <laughs> uh, a lot of bases and light years here, so <laughs> let's just scoot on and get as much in as we possibly can. Let me say that in large part, our own thinking is responsible for our pain, our own thinking. Because sometimes we think, I'm not worthy, or we accept the fact that we are a victim, Mm -hmm. or we're concerned about when we may succeed or not succeed. And aside from the fact that we individually have pain, uh, there's pain in our area, neighborhoods, in the world, you know, this this is a big deal. But in order to change pain... That has to begin within us. Now, even if we were uh, thinking in terms of changing global pain, which, you know, would be a monumental and noble thing to consider, we have to begin the process within us, and we must talk about pain. Okay, maybe you don't have a therapist. Maybe you don't have a friend or neighbor or somebody in your family that will listen to you. Then just start writing it down. Write what hurts. Write where do you think that pain came from? How did it begin? But just begin the dialogue one way or another, where you're talking or whether you're writing. But it's a, a very small, it's a very simple thing. But, well, and, and you know, I'm thinking about as I'm saying this to your listeners, it's small, mm-hmm. it's simple, and we can begin. I know it won't always be easy. It, it's not an easy thing, even if it's small and simple, but, you know, it it has to begin within you, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the hurt is, and do your part to change what's within you and change within another, and the act or the art of forgiving may be key to moving beyond pain. Remember that to forgive something or to forgive someone is not an act of condoning. It is simply to let yourself off of the hook because whatever has been done wrong will forever be accountable to the God of their understanding or to the powers that be. But forgive something 
then set yourself free, and then that way you're able to move on. It's kind of an interesting thing to me that in order to understand happiness, to understand joy, excitement, and all of these good things that we're seeking, do you know that most of the time we understand it because we have, in fact, gone through pain or we have endured pain? Mm. How about that? That that's a, That is really something to think about. And when you talk about writing it down, is that the act of transference? So we're transferring the pain out? Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be clinical. It doesn't have to be specified in any way. And if the only thing in the world that you're able to do is to write it down, then at least begin writing. Keep a little journal. And, you know, don't think that you have to write it in all nice words. In other words, if someone has hurt you or if you see an injustice in the world, if there uh, is something about the generational pain that is bothering you, a lot of the racism issues that we have, and that certainly covers a gambit of ethnicities and people, then just write it down. In other words, write your anger. Spell it out. Say what you think, what you feel, because to get it out is the best thing. Pain is not necessary, not necessary, but it is part of our process. It's part of what our soul, what our physical body, what our mind, body, and spirit, what we are able to endure. And how many people do you know, and and I have to say that I've been I've been part of this too, is sometimes I don't get it if it doesn't hurt a little bit. You know, if it doesn't get my attention, then I may not remember it or I might not learn and grow from it. But, you know, I've also gotten wise enough nowadays to say, okay, enough is enough. I don't need to go through this anymore. So taking the pills, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't want to say there's never a need for taking medication. There is. There, there are times when uh, having medication and pills will be exactly what we need to help the body through the process. And then as the body gets stronger, then we don't require those things. So I'm not saying we do not need that at some point in time or that surgeries are beneficial and helpful because I believe that there is a time and place for all of these things. But when we give up our own control, when we continue to believe that appeal is the only way we can change or be happy or whatever, then we have given up our own control and may even be falling under the uh, shoulders, a shelter of an addiction of some sort. So, But we are able to process this. You know, we... We can do it no matter how bad it hurts. We can move through it. And maybe one of one of those deep, deep, unabiding kind of pains is the pain of loss and grief. If you've had a child that has died, maybe uh, you've had to see that loss. And we often think, you know, no parent should have to see one of their children die. It's hard enough if you're a child and you lose your parents. But that deep grief, uh, it, it penetrates every every part of us and here's another one let's don't forget this one how about unresolved issues that's mm. a biggie that is a big ever had one <laughs> a few have you ever had one <laughs> any, any of you ever had one something that you never did you didn't get it right you know you you kept leaving it and leaving it and it continues to grow well 
Here's my theory that I've watched, and most of you that know me know that I can see spirit and I see the energy of these things. Well, if we have unresolved issues, they will eventually go cellular in our body. And then if we continue to leave them unresolved, at first it might become your discomfort or your dis-ease. And if you continue to leave it unattended to, then it may go into a disease, if you will, and eventually may become part of the component that will be your demise. So if you have unresolved issues in your own life, do not let that become the ultimate answer of why you're hurting, the fact that you just simply are not taking care of what's going on in your own life. And, you know, Marianne, this is a a complex issue, and we've talked about the possibility of doing this for an entire hour, and even at that, you know, I'm not sure how much we can cover and how deep (laughs) we can go, but you have such a great listening audience. If they want to submit uh, a question or a thought that we might take into the next time we talk about these things, we certainly will be happy to entertain that. So let us know what part of this you want to hear more about because we are very aware that it's a a very involved situation, talking about why we hurt. There's no quick and easy answer, and it sounds like we're just kind of grazing and glazing over this and just glossing over. We don't mean for it to come across that way. We're trying to say a lot of things in a short amount of time, mostly just to get you to think and realize that whatever it is that's hurting inside of you, there may be an answer. There may be a way out. It certainly will require your participation, your help, your involvement, but there might be an answer, and let's let's don't lose sight of that. So what do you think, Marianne? Shall we just plan this for the future to maybe have another show talking about it and, and check in with your listeners and see what, particularly they're interested in what do you think oh definitely and i have you marked down for august 26th Uh-oh. so yeah you're already, you're already on the calendar here she is ahead of me as usual so well, we'll, we'll certainly plan to do that and i'm hoping that some uh you know email me or email marianne but let mm-hmm. let us know what is of interest to you and we'll try to Go a little bit deeper. As I say, this is very deep, very complex, and yet there are answers that are very simple and things that can be incorporated. And if you're taking a pill for pain, okay, we're not judging that, and it may be that it is something that you must do. But if you're taking a pill for pain, whether it's emotional, physical, no matter what it is, if it's something that can be changed, then let's work on that. Let's see what we can do different. Let's see if there is another perspective that might also work for you. You know, Judy, over the years uh, working with you and for our listeners that are, you know, not really aware of Judy or who she is, for she's probably, in my mind, one of the most gifted people I have ever come across. And I've been blessed enough to call her friend, and she's my mentor that has been helping me along my path and through the different pains in life. And it is um, sometimes you need a little bit of a helping hand and someone who's, um, you know, objective that could sit down and 
and you know have it come to Jesus with you about what your pain's about because sometimes it's hard to hear what that pain now, is wait, about. Wait, wait a minute. You just invoked a word that uh, I do sometimes say I'm having a come to Jesus talk with people, but we're not. We're, in truth, we're not here talking about your religion. Or no, your not at all. <laughs> That's something that I, I tease people about sometimes, and when I say that to you, it means we are about to get really serious about what's going on, so we're, we're not, not doing that. But, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we all make mistakes. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. What you do about what you have done is what will be more important. And let's just get it done, okay? Let's change this for you. Mm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us today, Judy. I really appreciate you doing that. My pleasure, as always. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, without a doubt. And for all of our listeners out there, you can see and reach Judy Goodman at her website, which is judygoodman.com. Feel free to reach her, um, reach out and email her at judykgoodman at aol.com and um, be involved in this conversation. We're going to be back here talking about it on August 26th and look forward to hearing from all of you. For all of our listeners out there, I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. And remember, make every moment count. In a single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Her guests are leaders in their fields, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, and business and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in her own work. And while teaching others to develop, refocus, and grow, Marianne will bring the best guest and sometimes a special surprise. Don't miss this. You never know just which moment will change your life forever. Moments with Mary Ann airs every Thursday, Friday, and Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Make sure to tune in and visit momentswithmaryann.com for more information.